Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn and has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Good afternoon, good evening, good wherever, good whomever, good however I might find you. This is Alan Averill, this is Agitators Anonymous. Who knows what episode it is, who knows what year it is, who knows anything at all. Well, I'll tell you who certainly might know a few things, and that's Fernando from Moonspell. This is a long-form interview um, with my old mate Fernando from Moonspell. We used to write together the odd time way back in the 92, 93, maybe 94, not sure. Uh, Moonspell appeared in the second or first episode of my fanzine, The Oath, way back when, um, I think, but around the time of the Anno Satane demo under the Moonspell, maybe even. Um, so always a pleasure to talk to a very clever, a very astute, insightful guy. Um, and there's a lot of different topics covered on this podcast. Um, a lot of interesting stuff about the music industry, about Moonspell's past, about um, live streaming events, about what the future could be for the music industry. Um, of course, it's uh, tinged with an air of pessimism that only two middle-aged men could muster who've been around for such a long time. But um, it's interesting stuff. There's some Portuguese history in here. There is um, some stuff about the southern, um, let's say, attitude towards life, um, art, culture, philosophy, Nietzsche, all sorts of stuff. So let's get into it. Fernando from Moonspell. There's a few little sound glitches here and there. Um, you can blame the gremlins of the internet for that. But just hang in there. It's worth it. A good chat. Let's go. Fernando from Moonspell. We just pick up the thread 
with Fernando talking about growing up in um, Lisbon back in the day, um, starting off talking about heroin. But, you know, what are you going to do with the 1980s? We had um, a big problem with heroin when we were when I was growing up. Yeah. I was born in 74. Yeah. yeah. And um, the 80s um, just uh, hit full blast with everything. Yeah, same, Portugal. same. Yeah. Uh, music, drugs, you know, orgies, you name it. And um, but then actually the Portuguese government, uh, they actually dealt with it in a way that is kind of like um, a study case. They didn't imprison the people that um, were junkies. They treated it as a medical problem. So they kind of tried to solve it to give them like health, uh, um, healthier conditions to shoot. And, um, you know, it kind of balanced. There was not a huge epidemic of AIDS back then, not because of that okay. reason. Yeah, we avoided that as well, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and they did the same with prostitution. But nowadays, it's like one of the problems with the COVID-19 here, even though we're speaking about, I mean, just today, I'm not counting anymore, but today I just, you know, it's everywhere in the news. You can't escape it. Small town, big city, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. matter. But we are like in 300 cases per day, which is like, you know, a kind of a, a block in the US or uh, even less. Yeah. So it's, a, it's also a question of dimension. And I know Ireland has kind of probably the same population yeah. as in Portugal. So that way uh, we can um, definitely um, compare it. But nowadays it seems like this kind of um, initiative is gone. Uh, Lisbon is a bit eviscerated as well. But um, right now we do have, uh, you know, the, the, the Chinese businessman here by the gold visas yeah, that yeah. you have to invest like half a million euros in the country. I don't have half a million euros. I'll ne never make half a million euros. But no. I don't think it's a lot. No, not really. Those guys, it's not a lot. You know, it's, yeah. it's just a vacation somewhere um, special. So, yeah, I kind of, um, you know, I always try to... Um, stay you know with the head above the waters but this second lockdown as we call it here in portugal has been really eye-opening because when it turned to be a political management issue oh man things got so way worse in portugal and i say portugal whenever i say portugal people immediately tell me what about brazil yeah. i said yeah i know but in sao paulo you have to three times the population of the entire Portugal. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. you, know you have a, a crazy president as well. Ours is just an hypocrite. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so, um, yeah, but the, right here, especially in smaller countries, I don't know if you have the same, um, um, like, feeling that I have, it's that we should work better. I look to fucking Uruguay, you know, and they work so well. You know, yeah. they have uh, legalized weed. They have a cool president. They almost didn't get into the COVID situation as well. They have a little bit less people than Portugal or Ireland, a little bit less history and less guilt as well. Let's call it this way. Yeah. But uh, yeah, bottom line, we should work uh, better. You know, we yeah. should not have this lack of criteria that sometimes just makes people really, <clears throat> sorry, really mad, especially people that work on music. Nowadays, they open the lines, they throw money at you. But mm -hmm. then, you know, you go to the whatever to the um, nowadays, they release like um, 12 million to help out uh, cultural projects from theater to bands, whatever Moonspell can can um, apply 
a guy that does like um, installations with elephant dung can apply to, yeah, you yeah. know. Uh, but the problem here is that I think sometimes I, I, I think they make this to divide people. <laughs> really. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, I, think an, conquer. An, I think an awful lot of what's happening is traditional divide and conquer. I mean, our arts council um, has 130 million euro. But um, most of the discussion is about building, for example, in small towns and cities, building streaming platforms for bands. But there's no rehearsal rooms for any band in any city. All the venues will close. And so you, they're trying to corral people into trying to do, uh, I guess, what we do uh, online. And if you're a young band, um, I mean, you know, where do you even rehearse? Why would you bother if there's no gigs at all, but only trying to, they're trying to piggyback on your streaming numbers and... I think it's divide and conquer is a really good phrase, I think, to use for so much of what's happening, because it's it's the 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 way they've sort of um, basically told the public, if you want any kind of freedom, you want to kill your grandmother has sort of divided the way, you know, between I'm, I would call myself on some level, a, you know, a libertarian, um, not maybe not in the American sense, but that's almost like saying going, hey, I'd like to murder people. It's fucking crazy, you know, and there's no discussion about the in-between purposes or do we live our lives only by health and safety risks from now on or, you know, all risk taken away from the public. I don't know. I'm pretty worried about um, where society falls after this, you know. I'm I'm very worried, too, because... Um... You know, sometimes people say, oh, you're going to taint yourself with politics. But I think we were quite quiet in our corner. And uh, then politics came to us because we have yeah. no other way around it. I mean, I would love to go to a bakery here in Portugal and sing Alma Mater and they give me a loaf of bread. But that's not exactly what we do. No. And nowadays, probably in Ireland too, everybody is an expert in everything. They talk about the virus, they talk about the vaccination, they talk about everything like they studied it for 20 years or something that is kind of like the medical degree here in Portugal. And if you take something like a master or a doctorate, it's going to be like half of your life, um, you know, just studying it. About the old people, it's like, in Portugal, well, we, uh, Italy and Japan, we have the most aged population in the world. Our yeah. pyramid is completely upside down, you know. And it seems that nobody gave a shit about what was happening to our elders uh, before the COVID-19. Because the COVID-19, deny it or not, has affected us all. Some people were just lucky not getting into, um, you know, sanitary or health complications. But everybody was affected by it, you know, uh, to um, what extent we should, we still have to do the math. Uh, and scientifically, we need a couple, you know, in order to appreciate what happened um, to the world and to the, and to the society. But one thing is for sure, um, a lot of the problems that Portugal is facing are problems that are um, already embedded in our structure as a yeah. country. You know, like the, um, people say, oh, okay, you have a health system. Yeah, we do. But if it doesn't work well, you know, what's, it's not just a question of having it. We, we kind of having, we, it has to be functional. Um, when it comes to the network for old people, there's a big, big business here, normally um, run by the Catholic Church mm -hmm. and, um, you know, and the, and the Mercy Associations. And it's like, you can't afford it. You know, it's like... Um, 
you just dump the old men and women there and then you go and pay your respects but um you know and nowadays we are all concerned if we are going to kill uh, our grandma i mean i don't have any i'm not a cold hearted boston you know i'm from the south europe family is very important for us but um i mean all my grandparents are are, are dead and it's just that we forgot about history, we forgot how long is our expectation of living right now when compared to just 100 years yeah. um, back. And, you know, it's all a big mess. But I think it just came, COVID, the pandemics and the way that people dealt with it mentally, um, it kind of unveiled a lot of, of stuff that I was already seeing happening. You know, yeah. it's not like... You know, it, it really worried me in the sense that, and I've been talking a lot about this in the podcast, is that how many people I, I thought, or let's say I expected more from, but who welcomed a, a kind of sleepwalking into authoritarianism, who kind of welcome big tech state and are now into every aspect of their lives, and how many people not only seem to not recognize soft authoritarianism or elements of signposts on the way, but also they didn't really seem to care for freedom of speech or freedom of expression. And that sort of really, really worried me is how placid many, many people were in just accepting, well, the state has just taken a year out of your life um, and it's gonna roll on. People are like, nah, well, you know, just, you know, wait it out and really wait it out. We could be in this for a long time. And I just really, what really worried me was uh, not only how little the things that we value like art or any of those things freedom yeah. of expression liberty freedom of speech matter to most people but how little actual intrusion into their lives seemed to make seem to matter to them that really worried me or worries me you know yeah the big the big one of the biggest victim is definitely freedom freedom of everything really association speech um you name it but i think that um we're kind of nursing people already to have this kind of numbness um, when when their so-called granted rights uh, were were taken uh, from them so so easily, because I don't think that people um, in general already before the COVID um, think so much about freedom uh, in the true essence of the of the form that you can see in history, that you can see in the big fights. You know, um, I think that uh, nowadays people are really more concerned about uh, what they can have that's for sure that's i'm dead sure about this and also um here in portugal it's like it's very um you know it's very uncomfortable to see that uh, people are really against each other because if you say anything that it's a, a little bit out of the box yeah um they will call you um as you were saying there's no gray area either you are a, a sheep or either you are like an anarchist, you know, and societies are not made um, by extremes. Everything yeah. that is in the middle is the tissue of society. And I think that I agree with you. We were just um, sleepwalking. And even though we are not properly taken care of, uh, you know, we still can conjure the, the moral or the ethics to point the fingers um, in, into others, isn't it, you know? When I was studying philosophy, I learned a lot of stuff uh, before I started touring, which is now uh, both things are a very distant mirage in my life. Yeah, yeah. But um, I know what you there mean. was a very, yeah, there was a very interesting, like, 
not really a sentence, but um, not really a quote, but a thing that Nietzsche said that, um, you know, everybody was like crazy, even in, in metal uh, music, uh, quoting Nietzsche yeah. here and there, you know, up and right, um, low and forth. And the thing is that a lot of people did not actually have the chance or the opportunity to study it properly. Mm. And he said something that I really see in today's um, reality, um, that it's so um, wise and so, um, you know, spot on. He said that we were going to evolve to kind of um, Jewish Christian society where blame and guilt will be um, the biggest value, the biggest thing share, shared between people. But uh, on the contrary of, um, especially when it comes to the Christianity, there will be no forgiveness. And that, that's exactly what I see. And we can talk about it and people can say, oh no, you're having just a you know distorted sense of reality. But what I see is that people are, we're all in the same sinking ship, yeah. but we still can, instead of saving it, we are blaming each other. You know, and I think Nietzsche, in his own ways, was right to um, talk about the, the devoid of forgiveness. Uh, today, I was in, a, in an interview with the business newspaper in Portugal, like Financial Times. Well, smaller, because we don't have that kind of cash. So, then um, they have this kind of cultural, like, uh, supplement. And um, the journalist was asking me, like, oh, okay, Moonspell talks about Portuguese history. We did it in 1755, about the earthquake. We did it in Alma Mater. We did it here and there. And she was like, aren't you afraid of being um, canceled? And I said, well, this is exactly what I mean. And I quoted Nietzsche as well, because obviously um, everybody's got blood in their hands, you know. And, um, but, it's an opportunity and that's really came now uh, as another social danger uh, for Portugal. They wanna eviscerate our monuments, they wanna break down um, everything and they wanted to do it just out of vengeance, you yeah. know, and they could, yeah. Well, we it's, certainly, it's certainly something that uh, I think about that whole movement is that it's, it takes on a religious tone. I mean, I think that's quite right what you're saying about like Nietzsche sort of observed that sort of medieval Christians that despite preaching forgiveness were the least forgiving um, oh, yeah. people within society. And there's something going strangely about this, um, this whole situation that we're in, in the sense that, you know, if you look back in the plague or something, people would go through the towns with bells. There's a sort of a level of flagellation about um, how quickly we've lost any uh, understanding of the simple measurements of joy which we had in life only a year or two ago everything seems so deathly serious all of the time i think it's just like a really dangerous precedent for going into the into the future i think ireland is a little bit different to portugal in that we have no empirical colonial past or no history yeah. really that gives us that conversation um but it's uh it's um it's really strange how people who preach the most about tolerance and forgiveness, you know, in this religious tone would seem to me to be the people who are um, this sort of in this sort of new religion that there is no uh, redemption, no forgiveness. I often say this to people in there, I'd say to them, do you support the death penalty? And they go, no, you know, like say people on that side of the fence, let's call them woke or whatever. I'd say, do you support the death penalty? No. So you believe in the rehabilitation of murderers, but you won't forgive someone for a tweet they made 10 years ago. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, sorry, there's a lot, a lot in that. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, but uh, me, people will dig in and they will find something. You yeah. know, when when they want to find something, I think that's that's um, that's the thing. We want to, um, you know, sometimes uh, people, especially when you do like this kind of music that has to deal with the solar side of man, but also with the lunar side of man, and that you get it like as a more of a whole experience while people know, uh, no, normally for comfort reasons, they try just to appreciate the good and not um, and not the evil. You always get this, I mean, you can see a beautiful girl um, and then she has a, a rotten um, tooth and the big white smile, but you look to the rotten tooth. People don't slow down in the roads to see that everything is going all right. They just slow down when there are car crashes, hmm. you know what I mean? So, um, but nowadays it seems that there is kind of uh, those guys that dug the corpses back then, you know, like the body snatchers. Nowadays, I feel there is this kind of praying culture as well. And when you say yeah, Ireland doesn't have um, the colonial past, uh, people will find something. You know, yeah, of if, course. If of they course, really yeah. want to um, to create the smear campaign, they will uh, um, find something. And obviously, you know, as a Portuguese, it's not like I'm proud of. I mean, I wasn't not even uh, born, or I was not even you know in the concept uh, of uh, whatever a nation or whatever. But um, yeah, those things like difference. Um, Without respecting the difference, it brings a lot of uh, a lot of issues. Death penalty. It's now again uh, in the um, in the um, in a you know I wouldn't say in the news, but at least in the discussion uh, in Portugal. And Portugal is one of the first countries in Europe to abolish death uh, penalty. It has to do with our temperament as well. I think like um, a Portuguese um, by uh, default. It's a forgiving creature. Uh, so. It doesn't, re yeah. It doesn't really have to do with the um, with the religion. It's just in in our. It's it's beyond religion. I think um, you know people these days, and I'm hopeful. Um, that's what I say in theory. Because yesterday I went to buy a couple of um, toys to to my kid in a shop. I was like in a um, George Romero uh, movie. Okay. You know, with all the with all the shopping, like everything closed down, and it was, yeah, yeah. everything was very abandoned, and it, it looked like really scary. And there was I was also um, you know purchasing a couple of books I wanted to read, and immediately this guy in the next line he was talking really badly to the you know to the um, to the shop um, employee over there. It was like really bad. And I was like thinking, what happened to the Portuguese as well? Where is the forgiving Portuguese? We are like filled with the rage, with road rage, which is um, the number one um, cause of death still in Portugal. Uh, well, probably um, exactly with cancer, yeah. you know, and I think that, yeah, by default, we're like this, but exactly like, I mean, talking about unforgiveness, Portugal, Italy, and Spain, they had the three full centuries of Inquisition. And yeah. only after the earthquake of 1755, there was an opportunity of, um, you know, discussing the theodicy, discussing the role of God, and discussing the 
big, big strain that the church, that the cross had um, in Portugal. And one thing led to the other, you know, after not around um, 100 years, Brazil became independent, you know, and in the next, let's say, two decades or three decades, Italy and Spain, they um, abolished Inquisition too, you mm. know. So we kind of have this, like, for instance, our national theater um, in Portugal, in downtown Lisbon, uh, uses um, was used to be like the backstage for Inquisition, the torture, the out of the fame, you know, the, the burning was done there. And um, I mean, it's now if you want to go back then and, you know, show the no for forgiveness, because there was such a brutal thing um, to do, we'll have to wipe out half of Portugal, to be honest. You yeah. know, you have to bring in the machines and just destroy the rest of Lisbon, what the earthquake hasn't destroyed, which was not a lot, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's kind of, sometimes I feel that in music as well, you know, being so many years in the scene, I kind of f f feel um, the, um, the thing, the, um, the absence of that gray area where we could have fun, you know. And nowadays, I mean, we just released a new album. I have to speak a lot about the new album. Sometimes I just tell the journalists on the other side, I'm not going to sell you my fish. I mean, I'm 46. Yeah. Um, I have a few years yeah. left in, in music. So let's 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 have a conversation because sometimes they ask me, oh, your album is more moody. I said, but yeah, sometimes when I listen to metal music, um, I feel that at the first song, I'm already tired because the, the singer, the girl singing or the guy singing already did all the notes there are in the in the in the, in the scale. The guitar player already played all the chords, you know, the, the drum, the drummer already, you know, went fast forward 250 beats per minute and I'm overwhelmed, but in a bad way, you know. So, yeah, I think that comes with age, the nuance and um, but that's completely gone from the from the society. If you want to like look at it through that uh, scope. Yeah, I think people can't get a joke. People can't. You know, nuance yeah. nuances is a very important word, especially when, you know, you're, you're thinking about these arguments. I often say to people who are entrenched on either side is that, well, I don't really want to live under either one of your regimes. So we have to reach consensus, but nobody wants to uh, debate to reach consensus. And when you try and talk about, like I was talking, did just recorded a podcast before this, and I'm discussing the idea that um, I'm like an open skeptic. I've always been an open skeptic, but now being a skeptic, people misinterpret as you're just being a, a cynic, but they're two different things. But questioning everything now gets you into trouble, you know, like questioning what's happening now. I, I mean, I started this podcast right when it, two weeks after it happened, and I said in the very first podcast, biometric passports, blah, 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 blah this isn't going anywhere. And a year later, almost everything I said is like just exactly mapped out. And the idea that still amongst my peers and people I know, this unwillingness to kind of question, it feels like it's something like a lost, uh, something lost in our cognizance, you know, as you say, nuance or the un being able to comprehend nuance missing from so much of the argument. And it's, I don't, very strange to me. Yeah. I mean, uh, we are about the same age, I think. Yeah. I'm one year younger than you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. 45. So we so. grew, yeah. Um, we grew up in a world that was um, actually roughly divided in two, you know, Soviet Union and the US and all these theaters of war 
um, in Africa, in Vietnam, etc. They were all um, um, a lifestyle or a political um, side against the other, you know, and they, they weren't, fortunately for all of us, they weren't like going uh, like full way and starting a, a direct war um, between each other. So right now, after, so I always um, um, grew up by, um, you know, followed up by this shadow of the nuclear disaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it was scary. And there was all these movies like the day after, you know, when the war games, and yeah, it was yeah. really scary. But we could, we could find consolation, especially in music that was, um, I mean, amazing and immortal, let's say, songs were made based on that um, divided world. Let's call it this way. But I have to say, it was an ugly world, but at least we could figure it out. Nowadays, um, I wouldn't even say that the world is fragmented. I, I say that the world is pulverized. You know, we yeah. all um, become a little atom of opinion, yeah, yeah. of selflessness. Everyone you know, has their own truth, yeah. Yeah, and that's you know that's really uh, that's really killing our society. It's it's very hard to um, we cannot even burn bridges anymore because bridges are not being built anymore. Yeah, you know, it's a good metaphor. And on the, yeah, and on the other side, it's like I remember, you know, um, I came from a like, you know, um, blue collar family, typical typical from the suburbs of Lisbon. Yeah, uh, which was. A great place to live in because the suburbs of Lisbon, the slums, uh, were not like the Brazilian favelas. It was a little bit better, the conditions of life, but um, in, they were an invented place, you know, because um, it, they didn't exist. It was all countryside outside Lisbon. And then they start building buildings, you know, they start like um, the plumbing, you know, the sanitation, etc. But People that went there, they had all these um, different backgrounds, different folklore. They come from the seaside, they come from the south, from mm. the, um, the interior. And they called, they kind of built um, a community that had lots of problems, but that could solve them um, in a way. And that's this kind of spirit. I find it, it's quite gone these days. I mean, there was very... Um, there were two antagonists where I live in the, the microcosmos of my uh, Portuguese uh, slum, but still, I don't know how they did it. It still worked. You know, yeah. there was still some uh, common purpose or I don't know, something that um, connected them. And nowadays I see people just um, defending stuff uh, that it's not um, sustainable by science or by law or whatever, but they just um, stick to it. You know, it's like we are stonewalling yeah. uh, around mm -hmm. ourselves and that social distancing was already um, a reality. Besides all the connectivity, there wasn't authentic connections. I, people, I think people lost that. And I yeah. don't mean it doesn't have to do with the shape uh, like I mean, you can have a um, you can you can go even to social networking and have well not <laughs> not all the times it's quite a rarity but still learn something you know nowadays it's just switch it completely it's um it's like um, 
sometimes i mean it's a necessary evil we all use it we all yeah. have to uh, have that I, can't, I don't have personal accounts anymore just band accounts i have a linkedin account yeah, yeah. that is quite boring and i fortunately it's boring <laughs> that you can get you know yeah yeah like i had one and i deleted it but yeah yeah, but I still I, have I, it because I'm doing. I still have it because I'm sort of. I wanted to be further away in the last couple of years, but then when all this started, I went, "How am I going to get rid of all the fucking madness and more the things I want to say?" Okay, you need to do a podcast. So you need. I've got more in, but I, 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 I totally agree with you. I think what it is is that we're in the, we're in, we're at the end of a ten year cycle of de almost derangement, and that our lizard fucking brains can't cope with this much information and misinformation. And I totally agree in that. Once upon a time, maybe the family sat down after dinner and looked at the news and you had a shared version of reality. That's been destroyed, I think, in that we all are privy to our algorithm. We all get different kinds of news. And I also find that when, like, if I say to somebody a piece of information now, no one ever will go, very rarely will somebody go, really? Okay, and take it on board. I'll go and look into that myself and come back and go, yeah, you're right. I, I, I inform my opinion. Or I try and hold that line, but most people double down. Doubling down is like a like a virtue now or you know like um oh you you made a you know you've been in a cul-de-sac and so you had to you know whatever reverse or something a reverse is a pretty good maneuver you know what I mean? <laughs> fundamentally yeah. and, and every, everybody thinks that that's some form of like everything is about winning and losing in your entrenched camps and i think that that's because we've, we're literally deranged and i think that this situation that we're in has been perfectly played by agents of power and big tape big state and tech or whatever you want to call it because they know that everyone is already at their throats before it kind of began it, so i kind of i agree with i, I don't know if it's, i think we're saying the same thing in a different way but i, I agree with why i agree with your observation totally you know i, I mean if you want to just uh, zoom out of the social networking because um there's always a filter you know yeah. Um, there was a Portuguese comedian that made um, like a small uh, movie and humor is very big in Portugal right now. The comic relief, it's very much needed, but yeah, it, has not, not of, <laughs> <laughs> it has a lot of um, inner struggles um, as well, because there's a lot of uh, um, finger pointing and, and blaming even on that, um, that business, but he, he made these... Um, He's not even one of the best, but he made this. Um, he picked up a, a video from uh, online, from YouTube, or I don't know. And there, it was two dogs, you know, and there was a like an automatic gate between them. And whenever the gate was closed, whenever they had something in between them, they were like all angry at each other, and they were like you know wanting to bite each other and barking violently. But when the when the gate came out and they were face to face, they were quite quiet and licking each other, and they call it social networking. And it was kind of like very witty of him to do that because, um, yeah, it's um, it's something that, um, uh, like for instance, in Portugal, when it comes to uh, Moonspell, it's like some people say, "Oh, you so love." They say, "Hey, we love, but we hate it, especially by our famous or it can be like uh, you know having whatever success." It hasn't happened like this because we all um, had the same opportunities in Portugal. We had all to, mm. to deal uh, with the same prejudice um, as well. So um, you know, and that kind of also it's being Portuguese, but whenever I go to a metal show or an underground metal show, it's like I meet a lot of these people and they kind of treat me nice. And I'm quite 
and I feel, yeah, maybe I'm a bit deranged because I thought you hated me and now yeah, we're yeah. having beer. So yeah, but in the in the subject of the of the news, I remember something. Well, I mean, I'm at ease with your po podcast, so I, I I'm gonna tell it. But my father, you know, is a totally Port normal Portuguese man. You know, um, he had to raise three children. He had to work hard sometimes. And when he came back home, he just wanted to mine um, um, and have his schnapps and that we wouldn't bother him. You know, yeah. he did it because um, he hated us. It's just that, you know, those, those were the times. So um, whenever, um, talking about the news, um, whenever we sat down, you know, and when we had the dinner time, it was like it started to be watching the news, the eight o'clock news, you know. And in every news um, piece, there was uh, hunger in Africa. And my father was always like, oh, man, they have to show these pictures while we are eating. They make us feel bad. And I thought from an early age, well, that's exactly the point, you know. And nowadays these kind of news have completely vanished yeah. and we have like so only here in portugal we have like 10 um news channels between national tv yeah. private tv and um and 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 cable tv and even those kind of problems because i'm not a fan of this first world second world third world you know those are conventions that say a lot about the people who um gave those names to those yeah. concepts uh, in a way but sometimes i'm just like yeah i mean the news are just like um our problems yeah you know yeah you're totally right our... yeah, yeah it's um earlier a few months ago um when i was arguing about lockdown with friends of mine now i've been quite outspoken about being against it but that's a different that's a different you know, a train of thought, but I, I, there was all these articles when you had to really dig and it was the head of the world food program who was saying, Hey, like 130 million people are facing starvation in the second and third world because of lockdown, because the, the, the methods of food transportation from the first to the second to the third are now have now stopped. And like, and, um, you know, I was playing football with all these guys from North Africa, um, you know, Morocco and Algeria. And they were just, one of them said to me, he goes, you know, can't farm today, can't eat tomorrow. We can't stay in lockdown because he was trying to get back to see his family, you know. And I talked a lot with them about all this kind of stuff and their stories um, and the echoes of that story about from the guy from the World Food Programme should have been headline news in our papers. Hey, you, what we're doing is starving the third world because that would have been the number one in 1986, you know, with Ethiopia and stuff. And they were barely even registering because all of our stuff was cancel this, Twitter that, blah, 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 like all social identity, well, to me, nonsense, which meant generally, but this huge thing, like, wow, almost 200 million people on some estimates are facing starvation because of what's happening. And everybody here is sniping at each other for, oh, you were at the beach and this, that, and you're like, what the fuck are we talking about? And it, <laughs> it, it really struck me, again, I, I totally agree in that, there once was a time when we agreed on what was a huge news story, and it was. And now the 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 way of viewing these things is so obfuscated and so it's so smoke and mirrors. Like I saw I sent that article, I found a bunch of articles and I sent them to people I knew and I went, you see what's happening? And they were just like, oh, just like 
well, okay, this has no impact. You don't, so you don't think that it's worth, you know, okay, is the, what's the trade-off? Um, a few thousand people aged 82 in the West against this? I don't know. Who makes that trade-off? And so therefore you're a terrible person for suggesting that, but at the same time, you go and you bring up, hey, there's something big and serious happening, but you're busy being told what Twitter thinks about the royal family or whatever. I don't know. You know? Sorry, the long rambling question again, but you know what I mean? No, no, but it's it's true. It's like um, it's totally swept under the rug. Mm. And I think, um, you know, um, because when people say, well, it's like even with the well, with the money music and the Spotify's, I think sometimes people don't address the, the right problem. The, the right problem in the West, let's call it this way, is not the absence of fortune. It's the distribution of fortune. Um, and that's completely, you know, I have no doubt that um, there's a lot of um, schemes, um, you know, that, that doesn't uh, allow for instance, musicians to take the right cut. But I know this is a problem of my class, of my working class. Mm. But besides that, I never ever um, forget about those uh, coordinates of the problems that we didn't want to solve or that we were not capable of solving. And that's on us, really. You know, that's in all of us. And I'm not blaming because we could do better. For instance, um, when lockdown came in Portugal in March 2020, a lot of the Portuguese artists that you see on television and those the ones that show their faces in their, um, you know, um, like um, raising money for causes, etc. They were all like really um, panicking and they all went on Instagram to do this kind of, uh, hey, look at me, I'm opening a tuna can but I'm also singing to you guys. And then after a couple of months, they were like, oh, we had so many buzz or so many flow, whatever you say. But if you just pay one euro, I'll do a hundred thousand euros and things don't work like this. I mean, we cannot be um, naive. One thing is for free. Um, you, we even have a saying in Portugal, if it's for free, uh, for free I even take a shot in the forehead. You know, that's what we say here in, um, in Portugal because we like free stuff like, uh, <laughs> like everybody. Uh, and the thing I did with Moonspot was that I had to question myself about what was the true role of a band like us and like many bands, be it entertaining, whatever, all the aspects that the musician can have, um, interventionist, entertaining, whatever. And what I felt is that, well, this is not the time to reclaim stuff for ourselves because it, a lot of people said already in advance, oh, we're going to get broke and we're going to get like, um, we're going to starve, etc." And obviously there's lots of problems, but it didn't happen to the scale of the yeah. problem that we have since the 80s. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. And right. one, one of the things we did, and the fans were really helpful, it's like we raised funds, we gave some stuff, whatever, and we raised 4,000 euros to the Portuguese League Against Cancer. Because everybody forgot about the Portuguese League Against Cancer. It's made of volunteers. Sure, yeah. And they didn't have masks, they didn't have a hand gel, they didn't have the, the um, surgical pajamas or vests. And we just, you know, together with our fans, we did our small part. It's not a lot of, um, a lot of, um, money and nowadays it's you know it's a free-for-all you ask money for everything 
Yeah. You know, obviously, if we have, we'll also have a, a Patreon, which only the name scares me. Even though we are there, it's like we're coming back to the medieval ages. Yeah, like we yeah. Have patrons, you know, yeah, I, we have. I had yeah. it for years and I didn't use it. And then when this happened, I sat down and I went, okay, so there's no touring, which means no real income. I'm not making any money from having 20 albums on Spotify, however many I've made. Um, I either get busy and make a, uh, an alternative income. I'm not, I don't mind being poor. I was poor for all my 20s and most of my 30s. And well, I mean, relatively speaking, it never bothered me. Owning stuff wasn't bother, didn't bother me. But what I found was the, the a different kind of poverty, which was the agency purpose, identity, focus. Being a musician when, for me, like there's no reason to make heavy metal if we, don't, if we can't tour, play festivals or play live. I don't see any, like, I, to be kind of selfish about it there's nothing in it for me in a sense that all i become is a statistician i just watch numbers going up and down because it, yeah. it, needs, it needs movement which remains to be seen how we get back to that place otherwise live music is kind of done but i thought very quickly okay i need to recalibrate and refocus and even though it made the words patron felt odd i thought about it in the same way like in the medieval sense of writers that i would have, you know, read who was the patron of Shakespeare, patron of this, you know, we're not yeah. a high comparison, but, and I thought, okay, maybe this is just a direct dialogue between you and the people who appreciate what you do. And in the end, it's turned out to be quite okay, actually. But at the same time, um, that feeling of falling when you just go, oh, fuck, everything is disappearing. But then I kind of, if I pick you up correctly, I thought, I'm not going to be poor, really, realistically you know, we can take this fall. It was all the other things that disappeared that made me feel much more, well, poor, I suppose, you know? Yeah, maybe we're falling into our uh, right place. When I say this, I mean, I have no um, strings attached that, yeah, we have to sell the music. Nowadays, our life is pretty strange. Um, I try to create a few different alternatives also for myself. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, writing, translating, I have the label, which is, um, and but what I gather from there, from the port, from the experience in Portugal, is that most of the money that you make here in music is institutional money. It's um, connecting rights. It's this um, like author society rights. And yeah. I was always very critical until I found the, my place over there. You know, being independent and with the voice, and still having. Uh, the income, the extra income, that it's for sure our money, you know. Mm. But I always uh, quote philosophy, I don't know why, I don't want to brag about it, but Aristotle had this cool theory that say when you, well, you know, in a nutshell, when you throw a stone to the air, because the stone is earth, it falls back into the earth, you know. And it's very um, funny even that all these Patreon, these patrons, these things we have to sell to put the bread on the mm -hmm. table until we get probably into the medieval thing where, well, or pre-medieval where money was not really a thing that you had to have a trade, um, you know, in order to get food um, sure. yeah. as well. But um, it's the Patreon thing and the Patreon thing, it's sometimes, um, it can be virtuous if you sell something that people want to buy it you know obviously the kind of people who buy it are not probably your poorest fans but people mm. that have money well i would know? say well i would say this is that in my estimation of a year dealing with patreon i have a feeling that if you had a hundred 
um, dedicated patrons, you would make more money than back in the day selling 100,000 records in a year. Most well, likely. I already, <laughs> already did that. Which is did crazy which, when you think about it, you know? One of the most revolutionary things I have, uh, I don't know if they did it uh, on purpose or not. Um, I really don't like that band. I don't have a good feeling with that band. Uh, but um, they are from Finland. They're called Winter Sun. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they're on Nuclear Blast. Yeah. <laughs> And um, I don't know why. It just doesn't, doesn't click with me. But I think the main guy was really smart because he put up this tantrum, you know, and he made... I, it wasn't in Patreon, but uh, you know, it was a different thing. Like GoFundMe or something, yeah. Yeah, GoFundMe. He did. Um, uh, I think uh, more than five hundred thousand euros, half yeah. a million, I think, yeah. just to create an album. And the stuff he, he gave to the people that um, that um, kind of supported him and his vision, because then Nuclear Blast was so pissed that they threw their advance on top of it so he really made money yeah. for uh for live and it really depends on the kinds of fans you have and and those fans are really die hard yeah um if i if i might say so uh nothing against our fans probably they think you know they are and well i think the, just, the winter something he was right at the beginning of that whole gofundme thing and then all those gofundme and stuff they've sort of died away now Um, Patreon oh, is a bit different. Patreon, I think, is very much about you as a personality, in the sense that I have one, but the band doesn't have one, and so it's it's okay. connected to the podcast and that kind of thing. But the the kind of wild west, maybe the virgin territory of Winterson making half a million euro, I would say the people making that much money on Patreon now are comedians, um, they're influencers, they're YouTubers, they're not musicians, as I could as I no, could. The, We have a fan club powered by Patreon. It's already uh, positive, so mm. we don't lose money. But it's a lot of work as well. And yeah. we, we kind of give people all things uh, Moonspell. Well, with all due respect, they cannot uh, watch us um, having shower or coffees or whatever. I don't think that's interesting. No, no, um, no. At all. You know, it's just, it's just, um, yeah, it makes us, of course, we are all human and we're all going to die, you know, and, um, and our flesh return to dust. But also, we we don't need to press that too much because people, yeah, because people buy the fantasy um, yeah. um, as well. So we kind of give more um, context. But what I was saying is that I already did the math for uh, for Moonspell. If we can get like 15,000 people just um, supporting us, um, not with one euro, but with 50 or whatever, we can definitely you know, dispense all the labels, all the agents, all the live thing. It's, it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting um, subject to think about because you're right. I mean, we sold with the religious 80,000 records in Germany. It was a really good selling album for a century media. Mm. And once I was having some uh, grilled fish with my, with my um, um, parents at home, back in the, um, in the small apartment, And there was um, a TV ad of Moonspell that it was like 96, uh, summer 96, uh, that we were going to play at one of the most prestigious places in Lisbon, the Coliseum, the Lisbon Coliseum. Mm. And then I was having the fish that my father grilled, that my father bought in the fish market. And I was like giving a look to my, my, my father and he was looking back at me. And yeah, we said, 
you know, that was a really revealing moment for me because next time we went to uh, Germany to meet with the good old Century Media, and I'm telling you this, I have nothing against it. It was just a sign of times, you know, that like yeah. the record deals there were even worse than they are today. Yeah. And um, and I, I told them, well, um, we were touring intensely, obviously, and we said, we're going on a strike. And they were like, they didn't believe us. And they said, mm -hmm. we're not going to show up at the gigs, even though it was all a bluff because we were in Germany and we didn't have money to get back to Portugal, but we said it. And I remember um, just to see the difference between the bands. They went to some Ludwigsburg or whatever gig. I don't remember somewhere in, in Germany. Yeah. And they brought two um, cases uh, of money with Deutschmarks. Not a lot of money, but let's say, I don't know, 5,000 euros, something like that, or 5,000 yeah. pounds, whatever. And um, Samael were in the same boat as us. Actually, we were touring together with Rotten Christ. Yeah, and we were all sit sitting down on the table, and um, and that's being Portuguese as well. So the Samuel guys were totally angry with Century Media. Eventually, they left, mm. and um, Robert had hand them their um, suitcase full of money. Said, "We don't want this. We don't want to discuss it anymore with you guys." And we took the money, not the Samuel money. Unfortunately, I wanted to take both of the suitcases, but we took the money because the money is good in our side, you know. And we we said, "Come on, we are here like." You know, like eating badly, sleeping in vans, mm. eighty thousand records, touring with Apple Negative, and I'm having real fish with my father at his place that he paid for. Something yeah. is wrong, you know. And sometimes you just have to go um, independent um, there. But I wanted to have the money, you mm. know, so we could eat and take some home and probably, you know, just start to rent a place or something like that that eventually happened with that uh, with that suitcase but then i didn't give up and we got what we wanted uh, as well within the limits um of those um of those contracts so yeah i think that nowadays musicians are like cockroaches we kind of adapt to everything you know if the apocalypse comes we're gonna get the way of getting with our stuff because this is not our first rodeo obviously yeah. It has affected a lot of our cash flow, which is live shows. It's not only the cash flow, it's a lifestyle. You yeah. know, some people say wrongly, like, oh, nowadays, yeah, of course, it's it's bad for my pocket, but it's bad for my head too. You know, I tour since 95. Yeah, yeah. I, ha um, I can't do, I can do other stuff, but it's really, even my body feels it. Even the yeah. transformations that I have. You know, yeah. the, the back is hurting more. You feel like you're aging more. Um, yeah, as well. tell me and about it. Man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I was talking to Ivar from Enslaved a, a few months ago, and he just said to me, he said, man, you know, the reason we started playing in bands was to be in rooms with other people, not to be a square on a screen. And I just thought that was quite, in his own way, quite profound. And I thought, yeah, it's, like I said, uh, you know, 10 or 15 minutes ago, if you remove agency, traveling, touring, um, I, again, all the, it, it all feels a little bit empty to me, the idea that, oh, and the amount of people who say to me, the first thing they ask me is always economic. And I go, well, okay, look, I'll survive. I'm a heavy metal cockroach, no problem. We'll survive. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's plenty of countries that are much more worse off than, you know, Ireland has an okay welfare state, et cetera, et cetera. But that's not the actual meaning. And then people will say, oh, but can't you do it online? Well, no, you can't. But or can't you print merch? So what are we just going to sit around in our apartments and just you know, 
do this on a screen and blah, blah. I, I sort of said point blank to the guys in Primordia, like I refuse to do it. I won't do a live stream and I'm not making an album writing remotely. I'm not recording remotely. Um, if, if there's no touring or gigging or anything like this, I kind of being stubborn about it, I think to myself, well, this is not really the reason why I started to play in a band. So you're the, the, the deficit that you have is indeed mental. It's physical. It's the lack of agency, purpose, movement. You know that kind of thing. I feel very that. I feel that really profoundly. Like it's really difficult to just be in one place for a year. That's you know. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough call because um, I mean, I have a probably different setup. I'm um, I have an eight year old. Mm. I'm very concerned about him. Sure. Yeah. Because of course. actually, I did so much more than what I thought I would do with Moonspell coming from Portugal and, and whatnot. Mm. On the other hand, I also want to be kind to the fans because they actually get our back um, or got our back. And so we did the streaming. It had everything to go uh, badly, but actually went really good. And we sold some some tickets, but we had, because there was um, a, like um, a movement in, in Portugal in 2020, there was like, you know, everything is hashtag now, but it was hashtag culture is safe. Yeah. So, and that was kind of cool in a way yeah. because we played four shows to a live audience. It's very fucking bizarre. People listening to metal on the mask, you know, yeah. it's like these dystopian movies hmm. and um, they can move. They are always controlled. You have to... Um, give your ID because they want to control your movements, whatnot. But it's still, if you want to look at it at the other angle, it's it's an act of love for the band as well, that they go actually to the show. And also, I want to shorten the distance, you know, and sometimes I try not to make, it's very hard, especially if you're a musician, not to make this about myself or ourselves. That's why I also gave in to do... Um, a live streaming and i remember people had to pay for it it wasn't that expensive it was like five euros hmm. 30 cents with the with with tech so people were like i will pay more because you know fans we are behind the scenes so we kind of have this purpose and uh, the fans when they like you they like many bands and they want to be entertained as well and uh, we are not being entertained <laughs> when we don't have like yeah. you say the traveling lifestyle the normal thing going on, it's not entertaining for us. It's like going and making, I wouldn't say a Zoom call, but something like it, but with music um, and with performance. So we were quite lucky that our live streaming had people, but we don't know if the reality here um, will take us to a place that we're going to do uh, um, you know, a live show, whatever live streaming, um, without um, people. But... We try, you know, to shorten the distance is also to be kind and generous in a way. And so people uh, paid for the show and then they wanted the show to be more time. So we allowed more time. And on Christmas Eve, I was here with my with my wife and kids and I had the video and I said, I'm just going to put it on the on the Moonspell YouTube free. The whole video, it's, it's professionally mixed. It's uh, it's it looks all right so it's yeah. not it's not like our best performance um ever sure. and the amount of people that were born in christmas eve because they were not probably enjoying it you know with the families or whatever yeah. they do 
we got a lot of oh thank you so much i was just so bored at home so it was yeah. quite um comforting and but you're totally right it's not the same thing at all it's to put it into between, to yeah, put yeah. it into perspective though in ireland no one no one has even been allowed to stand on any stage like we haven't oh. had we can't even meet to rehearse we have a five kilometer radius placed around where around us we uh, every venue every public we should have been invited to be filmed by Irish TV, for example, on a sound stage to give it to give mm -hmm. for the 30 years we've spent out there playing, you know, around the world, telling people, well, you know, promoting Irish culture. Yeah. But no, everything has stayed shut. Not not even an open air show for the public last summer. Nothing planned for this summer that I think is going to happen. Just ever all art and culture has just been linked to um, finances and economics. And so um there was nothing given to the people for their mental health or anything i only have bad things to say about our state in relation to this only bad things but yes. but for us no one has even stood on a stage um even even my friends who are folk musicians who are tied to keeping culture alive and yeah. stuff, all the pubs are lots of the pubs are just disappearing derelict now and so you're thinking oh, like where how does this how does our old folk culture stay alive? And Primordial only ever played in Ireland once every two years, maybe. But um, the idea, I don't think that anybody will stand on a stage this year in Ireland. I can't see an actual show where people are together in a small space. I think it's going to be all about health and safety, all about getting your green, your red light, your whatever, your new ventilation, your QR code that you scan, blah, blah, blah. Um, we completely reneged on any sort of cultural um artistic um oh, man, that's, debt that's, to society yeah. you know and so i i guess i it's very sad in the sense that i i would have thought that like i saw for example a picture from uh, i think in lisbon or porto of all of these flight cases like a sort of yeah. art installation about yeah, it was in lisbon and porto yeah nothing yeah, like that nothing like that here not a thing, not even any awareness like, oh, um, and again, somebody says to me, oh, can't you just do it online? It's like, fuck off. Like, this is not how, I, it's very hard to explain why Ireland did this. I think it's because always our Minister for Arts was the Minister for Tourism. So, um, but tourism's dead now as well. So it's, um, yeah, it's, 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 I think our state did literally nothing for the people, yes. culturally or artistically. Yes. Yeah. You know, um, here there was a big struggle, still is, because um, 19th of April, um, we're getting um, to open the theatres uh, again. Really? It's not ideal, yeah. Uh, and also, we um, cannot play after uh, 1 p.m. in the weekends. Yeah, but, you know, it's, it's nothing compared to there. I'm very yeah. shocked to hear that, because... I think I was in this big meeting when um, it was in the, this, um, this hall where we recorded our DVD in, in Lisbon. It's a big hall. Mm. And um, there was the cases outside. There was a lot of police. It looked like, it looked like I mean, I was already born um, outside the fascist dictatorship in Portugal, but yeah, it yeah. really felt like this. Yeah. You know, all the apparatus was really yeah, yeah. like, um, yeah. you know, if, how can I say, very... Um, um, threatening, like a police, like, like a police state, yeah, like a police state. I never saw, not even in these big manifestations of football, that where things can get really bad here in Portugal. I never saw so 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 much uh, police people, like and 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 um, you know, vans and SWAT and etc. And yeah, yeah, 
I, I mean, see it. I see 10, 15, 20 police cars every day and police everywhere where I, I live oh, right in the city center. Yeah. You, and it was a venue that just had people on a peaceful demonstration. Everything was um, was um, quite uh, peaceful. I, I made a video so that they, they, they put it there. But I left there um, and I thought that even though it seems like our class was gathering, you know, in order to produce some results, in 2021, I have um, two uh, other extra, um, let's say, um, outcomes in my mind of what uh, we did. First, the promoters here, they really try to buy you for cheaper, you know, even though sometimes we have like this budget for culture yeah. and it's not spent, you know, and yeah. um, you have to return it anywhere. You could find, especially like the city hall, etc. you could find a way with the imagination of spending it. You know, sure, yeah, yeah. to balance people, as you said. The and, the other here, thing, yeah. and the other thing, besides the banning of, in this case, um, Irish culture, it's the message you spread to the general uh, people, to the yeah. folk, you know, to yeah. the real people. Yeah. Your government is telling them that we don't give a fuck. Art and culture and art and culture don't, don't matter at all. Yeah. That's, That's why exactly. we don't save it. That's exactly what they're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And I think. They are, they are not saying it probably because they do not dare to say that, especially in a country with the heritage like um, like Ireland. Mm -hmm. But in fact, they mean that. One thing that strikes me very much is that um, when it comes to the uh, to the um, to the politicians to the political class, it's they don't go to the places. They have no idea. You know, they they um, govern remotely. Like for instance, there was this presidential elections here in Portugal. Those were cool to make, lots of people voting, obviously thousands of people voting, but they find a way to say, obviously with propaganda that it was healthy. We don't know, we'll never know. But yeah. none of those uh, candidates, for instance, went to a PA company here in Portugal, PN Lights, that they have, I mean, Abanez Municipal, we have ourselves a small crew, but those guys have millions of investment in equipment because they have to they have to um, to um, stay up to date. And another thing that happened to me is that I had two tickets for Nick Cave, mm, and yeah. then um, you know they eventually canceled it. Yeah, yeah. And I got my money back except the VAT. Yeah. And except the 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 whatever the 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 ticket line fee. And I was like, that's not fair at all, you know, because no. I. I, I paid for the VAT too. So I'm yeah. actually on top of everything, they can still make a business out of it, you know, mm. and that's that's really shameful. I, I had no idea. I mean, I had some ideas. We, we talked um, off the record that Ireland was really bad, but I, at least I had that idea something happened because there was countries that had really, really serious COVID um, like strain and they kind of did stuff because there was like a, a little glimpse of light that, yeah, one of the jobs of culture is really to take your mind elsewhere, mm. you know? So, yeah, if, I mean, that's that's really the funeral of, uh, you know, that's that's a casualty as well yeah. to be counted with the, with the COVID in Ireland. I had no idea that you didn't step at, at any stage or any folk singer 
um, nothing any smaller or big stage it's nothing for a year nothing for a year um and again you know there there's noises being made again about doing just only online streaming events and this kind of thing but again you're talking about irish traditional music being in the pubs for people to hear and people being able to mingle and mix and i mean i've been trying to say this to people it's just like a very simple equation it's like hey if distancing stays as a rule, like social society is, is done. There's, there's no fucking yeah. gigs. There's no anything. Like just that one thing. And my friend is like, ah, come on. And I, if I finally got through to him, I said, hey, man, you're not bringing your son to watch football because the local football team that only gets two, 3,000 people in a small little stadium, your local football team is going to go to the wall because you can't be packed into that little stadium. Do you think about that? Because I, I try not to pick, uh, it sounds patronizing, but you know, big, big tech, state, apparatus, blah, 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 whatever, great reset stuff. But just to go like, hey, real simple stuff, like your mom isn't going to that yoga class. You're not having your book launch. If these, if, if rules like this stay in place, it's kind of the end of the Irish pub, for, as we knew it, for example. The one thing that Ireland's most famous for around the whole world. I'm not, talking, I'm not just talking about Ireland, I'm talking about in, in society in general. But the idea that um, even I said to my friend, hey, how do venues, do you think, get insurance for live music now in this modern day? One case, track and trace to one place. How do they get insured? And he was like, oh, fuck, yeah. I went, it's a really boring thought, but it means that your, let's say that green light go, red light stay, means you're going to get that tick or not based on what, some unelected health board official, which is exactly like the T-shirt that you're wearing, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A very <laughs> big brother yeah exactly <laughs> make orwell fiction again yeah you know it's it's i'm i'm trying not to be too gloomy about it you know i'm i realize i'm a bit a pev a pessimist in, in some senses but just a really simple thing like hey insurance distancing travel restrictions uh this kind of stuff will mean that there ain't no festival happening where people gather together and dance and whatever you know well Sorry, that sounds very negative, but you know what I mean? No, 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 because I think a lot about it and um, really? I appreciate you sharing that with me because I I still have to make up my mind, but because here in Portugal we had a little bit more glimpse of um, normality or whatever. Mm. But um, on the other hand, I don't think, um, I don't see ourselves, um, or I don't see things going back as they used to be. You know, the overpack clubs, yeah. the the sweat you know the spit all of that the drinks i think that's going to be really tough even traveling um we did a really um extreme tour in 2019 together with rotten christ we yeah, had yeah. like 60 something dates uh and it was really like um really shitty tour bus company mm. and we were like i don't know 20 something people inside imagine that you know yeah. just traveling yeah that's like um a covid nest you know we will be banned from every border yeah that um and what i could see is that and i wanted to be optimistic what i could see it's also the death of what we called europe because um i've seen uh, refugee camps uh, I've seen uh, even borders that weren't supposed to be there according to the law you know, just French police coming in, sniffing everything with the dogs, mm. with no warrant, just, you know, just chaos. That's what I saw before the COVID uh, sets in. So 
yeah, this is like the perfect storm for the um, for the Orwell um, and other you know dystopian things to um, to kick out because I don't think that you're being pessimistic. I think it's very hard to uh, imagine like a packed club right now. Yeah. I won't say where you can like the big arenas where you can sit down people mm. or do the flaming lips thing like they did it in bubbles whatever but those are you know those yeah. that's like bad folklore that's something yeah. exceptional you cannot yeah. be practical um, about it so yeah i think the f future of touring might be a bit compromised unless we kind of live which is not definitely happening in Ireland, we kind of change our perspective about the virus. You know? Yeah, I mean, we because have what, to, yeah. yeah. What, one thing, I, I mean, I'm not a scientist, but I think it's fairly reasonable to say without offending anyone, that if there is a virus in the street and you put everybody at home, then the infection rates will go down when people go outside again, because you know we are flesh and bone and, and, and tissue and, and, and spit and snot, whatever, mm. the infection rates will go back up like already did in Portugal. So the secret and all the money we invest and all the intelligence and all the laws and everything, the constitutions, whatever you name it, it's to make it work under the strain of the pandemic. I think sure. that's 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 the key. That's what I mean. Are doing. I mean, if 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 last summer they'd allowed young people out, maybe they would have developed some form of herd immunity. But anyway, oh, that, not to, not to mention that. Yeah, not to mention that. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I mean, to me, it's like it's um, I, it's difficult to to totally discuss uh, very openly because you end up getting your you know your basically censored, so to speak. You will get your you know your channel banned or taken off by saying something that's contravening things. But to me, the idea that the situation isn't being manipulated by agents of power and influence, uh, you know, and that, that there aren't testing stress testing implements of social control to me is naive to think that that's not happening at the same time as there being also uh, also a health and safety thing but i i mean the the idea that i'll say this right i said it to my friend um uh from destroyer 666 uh, we're arguing about this and i said okay so if we say if we say if we take um if distancing is going to be an enforcement, what you're then saying to, let's say, let's pick an old ancient European city. Let's pick Lisbon. What you're doing is you're saying to the people of Lisbon, hey, by the way, everything that brought you to this moment, you can now forget. You can forget your social history, your pubs, your clubs, your museums, your theatres, your small businesses, your songs, your meeting in the town square, you bang a drum and I'll dance. All the moments of history and culture that brought you to this point are now 80%, 90% gone. Stay inside remote living, remote working, consume through fear. Um, and I, a part of me still believes that a, a great a percentage of people uh, are, are not going to take that. They're not going to be told, by the way, for the next 10 years, because if this is the decade of pandemics, you're going to stay inside. Um, they, they can't bring up their kids like that. And so I don't know whether this is the greatest fuck up in history, the greatest overreach in, well, in our lifetimes. Um, yeah. Uh, is this the biggest overreach by state big tech or a fucked up response? But to say to people, I mean, personally, I think my city's lost, but um, to somewhere like Naples or Milan or I don't know, Zurich or Lisbon or Berlin to go, okay, guys, to this point, now you're done. 
So we are, now is like a new blank page to be written by um, your biometrics. I, I just don't see how society can just be 400 and what is it, 57 million people in the Eurozone can be forced into the meat grinder and out the other end into a neatly packed sausage. I just don't feel that's... I, I don't think... I sorry, think lot, there's a lot of blur in that question. But no, no. In, um, in the neighboring, in our neighboring country, uh, Spain, mm. they kind of um, had, um, you know, they have a lot of problems. They have a political problem of uh, instability. Mm. They cannot uh, form a government because everybody's penny pitching and they want, um, and they, they cannot really bring themselves um, into agreement, which is not strange with Spain because Spain has never, Spain, sometimes people say it's an invention because uh, you got the Basque country, you got the yeah, Catalonia, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you even got Portugal, but I don't know what happened that um, we kind of forced them out of mm. the European California. And we kept it um, to yeah, ourselves. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. so um, the thing is that uh, when I started making interviews, uh, it wasn't even for the new album. We just had a reissue and people were like, probably most of the journalists were bored. So we had a reissue and I had a shitload of interviews. I was like, what the fuck? It's just a reissue. It's something like it happens a lot of time. You know, it just gets out of print. So we're going to reissue it. And um, a lot of people, I had to explain to a lot of people because, you know, then we get the blame game again. Like you mentioned all these countries and I mentioned Spain. Spain is a street culture. Um, when you go to a, a bar in Spain, to a cerveceria, there's more people outside. Yeah, they yeah. call it the botellón. Botellón means bottle, big bottle, you know, okay, botella sure. in Spanish. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing with with spain and even if people were having a lot more contagion and etc the spanish are really crazy and proud enough and totally used to that uh, culture uh, that they improvise and they don't care mm -hmm. you know and i was explaining hey guys sometimes it's also a cultural thing it really depends on your city you talked about um naples when naples was i think they won like the Italian cup, whatever, you can mm. see everybody just potting in, in the street, like doing whatever they they do. So probably I, I think that even in Orwell, there was a kind of resistance going yeah. on and probably yeah. we're gonna, we're gonna be going into that probably clandestine thing because yeah, no, if you think no really government with few exceptions here and there, it's um, um, like um, telling you about like a future where you can open up without uh, restrictions. So yeah, you said in a previous um, comment that um, you expected more. Yeah, as a citizen, I expected a lot more, definitely. I think mm -hmm. I'm not going to say that's, uh, that's why I pay the taxes because those are certain, you know, um, just like death, just like Mark Twain would say it. But yeah, um, these anything happened, and yeah, I expect I expected that our cities were more evolved because we brag about it. That technology would be important, um, not to um, um, ostracize us, but to bring us together. But I don't think that's that's happening. No, and you know we already have. Uh, for instance, the other day I was seeing a, a movie called Too Big to Fail. 
about the Wall Street okay, uh, yeah, yeah. breakdown. Yeah. And there's already historical context to um, see and to uh, prove that though those was a, a big power play and a big scheme of things, mm. you know, and uh, that destroyed many lives, that destroyed the tissue of society. And nowadays we can make movies about it and we can um, um, talk about it and be sure that what's like whatever madman such as you said back then, oh, this is all a power play mm -hmm. from the big um, financial companies, uh, etc. We had this everywhere in the world. Here in Portugal, our prime minister said he's going away. Unfortunately, he hasn't. Um, and he's going to make this big political crisis because he didn't want to invest, I think, 30,000 million in education, in upbringing, which is a solution to a lot of problems, as we've seen in Africa, for instance, um, in the space of 30 years. But then we had to bail out the bank yeah, yeah. Uh, with, uh, I don't know, billions you know, and we had to rectify the, the budget and now it's illegal and it's inconstitutional. So there's definitely two measures here, you yeah. know, and it's um, it's not wanting to be pessimistic or whatever. It's just in reality, um, you know, um, people these days, especially people in power, they choose the wrong path and they know they are doing it, mm. you know, and they choose the personal profit, whatever. I mean, Pedro, our keyboard player was trying to explain me yeah, but uh, you have to say that you have to see that all this um, is a network and the bank borrows to enterprises and the companies and the companies bankrupt. I said, okay, so why doesn't the government talk directly with those companies and say, what do you need? You know, do you need a tax cut? Do you need money? And it's not like giving money to the banks to buy themselves. That's a bit strange. It doesn't make sense. And these banks keep spending big money on on advertisement you know they have their um they have their like um you know the the, the bank managers they they still give them like the the achievement money monetary prizes so yeah sometimes things there is a notion of simplicity where things could solve but does that interest at all mm. to the to the rulers of society i don't think it does i, I don't know I mean, one, one of the things that really worries me about the situation that we're in is how quiet the banks are. In, in 2008, there was the banking crisis and, you know, but they, it, it was a fiscal, you know, crisis and we had them, I mean, and the public's money was poured into the banks. One of the things that worries me is how quiet they are, because that means that this isn't a financial crisis. And I mean, our state just keeps pouring monies endlessly into this black hole, furloughing people. Yeah. And that what worries me is that P, that money becomes universal basic income, which which then links you financially to, um, you know, to the state in all ways, because all of your small businesses and jobs have been sent to the wall. And so that makes you dependent in so many ways. Uh, there must be, you know, that there's some form of debt forgiveness that I haven't quite worked out in my head, internalized within the banking system and the structure that's happening, or else we're about to enter 10 years of massive 20 years of huge depression, but it doesn't seem like that to me. There just seems to be too much money. And I wonder, is that because there's a sort of war going on about the Federal Reserve and the gold standard and all this sort of, or replacing fiat currencies or something? Like my brain is sort of broken trying to understand it, you know? 
Yeah, right, that's, that's, I'm not sure if that's even a question, but <laughs> <laughs> it's it's high finance, you know. And, yeah, um, which I'm not I'm not really up on, but I think about it quite a lot. Yeah, but um, I read this book about um, Ken Follett. I think it's I don't think if it's called Blood Money. It's you know Ken Follett, the, the writer of Pillars of the Earth and um, World Without End and um, the Century trilogy, which is actually pretty cool, I have to say. Mm. And he wrote a book about how uh, banks uh, kind of work, and there's all there's all these books um, you can read, and exactly not really far from from the truth. But then it it really comes to the ethics and the morals um, behind it. And while even the most bloody generals, you know, in the heyday of um, conquistadors, etc., they always had a kind of philosopher over there, you know, giving advice. Nowadays, um, for instance, philosophy, which was, I studied, took such a backseat, you know. I mean, one of the most um, famous philosophers is a guy that walks with his books on uh, Louis Vuitton um, bags, and he just performs like if it was a stand-up philosophy, you mm. know, and not stand-up comedies, called Ber Bernard Henry Levy, and I think he's a Frenchman. And obviously he opposes to some stuff, but you know, it, it doesn't go really to the core of the questions that we needed to um, be, be answered. So yeah, I feel like, I mean, whenever, um, when, when the pandemic started, I uh, called up one of my friends who is a doctor and um, he's one of the biggest merciful fate collectors in the world. He already <laughs> examined King Diamond. He has an amazing collection. He has a lot of records brats etc really rare stuff oh, uh, yeah. and he's also like musical whatever freak he only is um, he's like record player only the needle costs i don't know a lot of money but he has a nice position here in portugal he was a part of our bunch when we were growing up together you know listening to bathory etc mm. and um he I mean, I asked him because even though it's not his speciality, he's also, his, his uh, wife is also a major nurse. And I asked him, what shall we do? It's like it's being really confusing. I always, um, you know, um, said that when we wear a mask, like uh, we are in China, for instance, when I was in the, in the planes, I always like felt like really weirded out about that they were using a a mask and nowadays if i wanted to take my kid to the school which i do every day at 8 a.m i have to wear that you know i mm. think this was kind of um, a giant leap uh, you know almost our own the great leap forward Oof, like yeah. mark said to him did with the with the with the sparrows the other day yeah, i read yeah. a, a piece on the newspaper and said where are the sparrows in portugal and i started like being really afraid not only of the COVID, but what happened in china back then in the in the 50s, yeah. yeah. So I, I don't think we have reasons to... Our survival instinct will kick in, you know, and then it's not going to be about drinking in pubs um, anymore. And I think that um, we quite, like you say, the agents, the power agents are really, really stretching this into a point that, um, it, you know, it's, we see it here and there. We see glimpses of it. We, we saw the invasion of the capital. We saw people are not really happy and people will be people. And it's like, there cannot be too many rules. There could be something that um, ha uh, the rules or the law, or the constitution, you call it, um, 
has to serve the people, you know, in any format, whatever, that doesn't matter for me if it's right, wrong, left, center, up, or bottom. But uh, nowadays, we, not we, but I think people that have that kind of power totally forgot about it. Uh, I totally like, <clears throat> and yeah, for instance, COVID lets them get away with it. Yeah, well, yeah. Democracy, is, sure. democracy is paused and civil liberty is suspended temporarily. And I think it takes a big push to get it back. I, like I've been saying to people is like, if you can tell me any time in history when any citizens of any nation, city, state got all of the freedoms that they handed away back, I would like to know it because it ain't true. But anyway, well, sir. Yeah, I cannot, I cannot recall that. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's, uh, give me something then. Um, because it, what happens is that we get to a certain point where timeline where my uh, it doesn't yeah, render yeah. properly. So I'll try and finish up a little bit. But no where, do you think of something positive in the next six, 12 months? What can you, can you imagine human nature conquering in the face of all of this? Uh, or an element of it? That's, um, that's a hard question. Uh, honestly, I always try to look to the future to the kids, you know, especially sure, every yeah. eight year old. But that's what brings me exactly to the opposite of, of what you're asking me. You know, it's like, uh, for instance, I was not the kind of kid that grew up in the street. My brother was, mm. but I had the option. I was the quiet guy that liked to be home reading some Jules Verne books, whatever, that kind of shaped my personality. Mm. But my brother was like, he didn't care. He didn't went to school, he skipped school. So um, there was, um, freedom jokingly what's um positive here in portugal is the price of red wine a drunk nation it's an obedient nation so you go to the supermarket and things have never been so spectacularly cheap when it comes um to red wine i could say yeah i always keep i can say it's not like this sentence that i say you know like the end uh, of um of an interview or whatever but the only positive thing I can say is that um, I will not give up without a fight. Boy, musically, as a citizen, I think I have it in me. I can put up a fight. I don't know what's going to be. I don't know if it's yeah. going to be with weapons. I don't know if it's going to be with stones and sticks. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be through Moonspell. Probably not. Vicious tweets. Yeah. Yeah, because um, <laughs> the thing is that uh, politics got hold of us. Even bands that are about fiction and, and fantasy or whatever, we kind of, um, our new album is probably the most political album we did uh, in a way as well. And people just hate that. You know, people yeah. just want you to be an entertainer, which I am as well. But sometimes it's just you cannot get out of the rain, you know, without being wet. I know. Uh, so <laughs> doing it for this, but yeah. <laughs> the positive thing is that I hope it keeps raining because we shouldn't give up without a fight. I'm not, you know, telling anyone to be hopeful or optimistic. Hopefully, something different. And we, as a Catholic, brought country, and all ourselves were brought Catholic. We kind of have learned hope, even sometimes thought in a fake way. Mm. We kind of know the concept. Some other countries don't. Optimism is a, is a concept I like. Optimist is what politicians do. You know, they go and smile while they are, um, you know, um, stabbing you in the back with the mm. other hand. 
they have a knife behind their back when they shake the, your hand. So yeah, I think that um, the only positive thing is that uh, even very restrained, um, some people still have the will to fight and can be a Spanish guy just drinking, you know, like a Spanish brandy outside and getting arrested by it and then starting the movement. I don't know. I think people are getting a little bit restless because this is completely contra nature. Yeah, we need a, like we you need, say, we need a European spring. Is what you mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> be careful what we wish for. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We need this kind of. I read this. Um, I, honestly, I was never a big fan of the federalism of Europe. I think it it worked in a strange way. But, you know, I still have this um, bitter feeling that our fishermen, which is tradition in Portugal, cannot go elsewhere to gain their, not their bread, but to have their, their fish. But there is this um, French author called Laurent Godet, Godet, Laurent Godet, that did this kind of book called Our Europe. And it's pretty cool because it's an historical poem and it's been a while since I read one, you know, because those, that kind of format in literature, nowadays it's all very like novel oriented, mm -hmm. uh, etc. And sometimes I feel the hope in those really simple things that you've been talking about constantly on this, um, on this podcast, which is probably a nice word, a meaningful word, like, you know, the reopening uh, of a pub. Because, yeah, so today I could drink a coffee and an espresso in the terrace with my wife and my kid. And sometimes I, and I felt weird because I was feeling happy about it. And this is true control. When you feel happy about such a, you know, a vulgar, banal thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's that we are in deep shit, definitely. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.